Ashley McNamee, Alvarez Marcel. Thank you for joining the program here today. We're all month long. We're going to be doing uh, ESG, environmentally friendly, environmental innovation, industrial integrity as well when it comes to the world of oil and gas and energy and just the whole, I guess, energy gamut, if you will. Uh, Ashley McNamee is our guest today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent, and thank you for joining the program here today. Before we get into you know the the eco world and the investments, and when it comes to the, just this whole new uh, approach to energy, uh, we're sunsetting, if you will, because technically we are still in March as we're recording this, even though it's going to air in April in a couple days. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're finishing up Women's History Month. And you're a female, and you've worked in the oil and gas industry now for about 10 years, 10, 12 years? Uh, no, it's been about seven or eight. Oh, yeah. seven or eight. Okay. But you came from media. So, yeah, after uh, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, the reason I wanted to bring it in, bring that up is that technically you've kind of blazed the, the trail a little bit because media, you were technically a trailblazer when it came to females being in a news anchor and just solidifying that role in television and then also in the world of of oil and gas i think personally any woman working in oil and gas right now is writing history as we speak because traditionally there's only been just a handful so as we define the new world of energy right now boy it's there's all kinds of females just carving their own path in the world of energy so uh, with your background in media and your background in energy, talk to me a little bit about just females, their contributions, and how you view uh, women when it comes to industry. Sure. Yeah, oil and gas has always been so unique. And one thing I do appreciate about it, although I do have a college degree, is it's still one of the um, industries and fields where I think how hard you work determines how well you do. Um, so you are starting to see, um, actually over the last probably five to 10 years, folks from really diverse backgrounds being brought into the industry. So whether it's a tech background or finance, or in my case, media and journalism, um, the diversity of knowledge that's come into the industry, I think is really, is what helped change, um, like significant parts of it. Um, so for instance, when I left news to come join Whiting Petroleum back in 2014, uh, the impetus for that was the ballot initiatives in Colorado that were trying to begin, you know, um, setbacks and sort of de facto regulations on the oil and gas industry. And the company's idea was to get someone from the media to do for industry what the media had been doing against it. And so um, came into Whiting and there really wasn't a lot of infrastructure in terms of internal and external communications, community relations, and then eventually what turned into ESG. So uh, I guess to your point, when it didn't exist, it was pretty um, okay to come in. And the leadership, our CEO at the time, Jim Volker, was very minded and really let us run with it, build an entire department around those things. And uh, today it's not only an entire department, it's an entire career. And now I'm doing ESG full-time for Alvarez and Marsal. So it is evolving daily, um, but yeah, there's definitely opportunities for not only all genders, but definitely um, all backgrounds, I think, in our industry today. ESG, environmental social governance, uh, just a very quick definition of what that is for energy companies out there that might be listening and have heard that term and maybe even kind of know what it is a little bit, but what's the uh, short version of what it is? 
Yeah, so ESG, as you said, stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And the real crux of it is around disclosures. So it started probably 10 years ago, meaningfully, where investors and different groups, perhaps from the left or the environmental side, uh, were encouraging and requesting more information from any public company in terms of how their operations or company impacts both the environment society and or how their governance structures um, play a part in that. So, um, yeah, ESG is basically disclosing your performance in those areas. And as it's evolved, it's becoming more formalized. There are frameworks to put them through and um, potentially even regulation coming in terms of what ESG will look like and how you will disclose in what metrics. For me, it's been interesting to watch Meridian Energy Group with the refinery out there come at it from a uh, science side, um, from the bending of pipes to the uh, uh, different coatings that can come on to the automatic sensors. So there's a whole, you know, there's a science side to this ESG part. And, but there's also, you know, the public relations side of things, too. And I wanted to start with that before we get into maybe some of the science side of things. Uh, to me, I think it's a whole different ball game that the energy industry has not quite grasped yet in terms of what they're dealing with. You've got a media background a little bit, and you and I have talked a little bit about the 5,000-foot view when it comes to that kind of existential uh, public relations and energy. Uh, talk to me about how the awareness and the transparency in the public relations folds into this whole ESG, whether it's from an investment standpoint, a shareholder standpoint, or just regulation standpoint? Sure. So actually, you are on the money. Uh, back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at Whiting, our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. And we were looking around and starting to see you know, the tech sector and even some of the larger oil and gas companies engage in ESG, or back then we even called it sustainability reporting. And as we were looking at it, it was like, well, we have stories that are as or better than that, so why don't we start to tell ours as well? And it really has worked to our advantage. Um, the industry, as we all know, it's no big secret, has not been great at public relations or promoting all the good work it's done for decades. And so it is a little bit of a catch-up game. But the, the truth of the matter is there are so many good things happening. And the industry, as it has done with hydraulic fracturing and other things, is so innovative and it will continue to fix its own problems. So if you look at society today, say climate change, carbon, methane emissions, all of these big themes uh, are really what the public is focused in on when it, term, uh, when it comes to oil and gas. And you already have the majors who for years now have been developing their own carbon capture technology. Uh, we didn't know about it until very recently necessarily, but the fact that they're already ahead of that and innovating is just another good example of how the always comes to its own rescue and it will fix its own problems basically so um, the public relations piece is certainly um, a big opportunity within ESG but certainly stakeholder relations and investor relations is the other big piece so at Whiting when we started publishing um, information on our website at first we spoke with our investors and they really wanted an actual formalized ESG report, uh, one that they could download and keep on their desk and reference as they were covering the company. And so we were able to provide that for several years. And 
the feedback we received from our investors was overwhelmingly positive. They were just happy that we were being transparent, happy that we were engaging in these disclosures. And uh, really, no negative criticism came from our you know, foray and ESG and our attempt again to be more open. You mentioned the word transparency, and that was the next question, where really, you know, a lot of people were very concerned about ESG. They were scared of ESG. Some people are still resisting ESG. When really, at the end of the day, if you're a responsible company, in my opinion, all they're asking for really is just a little bit of transparency. Meaning that, you know, if you say you are recycling, well, okay, put that in your recycling report then, you know, type of thing. So they're just, to me, this is really kind of an evolution of transparency and I think personally that it's an easy embrace for this if you're already demonstrating these types of things. What types of um, pushback, what obstacles, hurdles, objections have you heard from you know, your colleagues and, and from people in the energy industry when it comes to the whole ESG acceptance or this movement, if you will? Sure. Um, it certainly was more prevalent as it was getting going. So back in 2015 through maybe 2017, but um, it, it does feel unnatural to the oil and gas industry to be so public and to be so forthright with telling our stories and um, really getting ourselves out there in that sense, or at least in some cases. And the big concern we always heard was that we were giving the other side the information they needed to try to put us business. And the truth of it is most of the things that you would be disclosing through your ESG reporting and the technical metrics are publicly available information. So it is things that people can go and find if they know how to today, whether or not you're putting it in an ESG report or public on your website. So the data is out there. What, what ESG really allows you to do is get credit for the things that the company is doing well that may or may not Public. So say you have um, a great diversity and inclusion policy, the company is expanding its, um, you know, recruitment of people of color or women or any sort of um, diversity of uh, experience. All of that are things that maybe aren't public and that are great things for the industry to promote and stories to tell. And so the key to ESG consistently improve and year over year if you can show change and show augmentation and the reporting that you guys are completing it really is a benefit and so um, we would say that you know ESG isn't giving people the information about a business it's actually providing the information to show how advanced and um, sophisticated the companies really are. I think another obstacle that a lot of people in oil and gas are kind of grasping right now, and I think I just made that word up, are kind of <laughs> are kind of finagling with or whatever, is uh, when they th- hear the word ESG, they automatically think of the environment. They think of climate change. They think of climate activism. And I just want to, because you actually, your your organization does much more than just energy companies. Now, you specialize in energy companies because that's the the background you have. But my understanding is your your company that you're a part of actually does like medical, it does banking, it does a number of different industries. So um, what, what I want to ask you, I guess, is that when it comes to ESG, it's more about how the companies build trust with the communities and how they foster innovation and how they treat their workers and how they manage their supply chain. 
much more than it has to do with climate change. Now, that's a part of it, too. But those other parts, I think, are, if not more important, at least equally important. Am I on the right page here? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, You know, from a society perspective, environmental is perhaps why there is such an intense focus on the oil and gas industry. But I, I agree with you, the the G in particular is incredibly significant and also why there continues to be a focus on the oil and gas industry. So um, governance has to do with how your board manages the company, their engagement in issues like climate change, executive compensation, um, environmental practices, responses to risk. All of those things are actually pieces when you're looking at ESG frameworks that fall through the governance lens. So it really is about paying attention to how engaged your leadership and your board members are. And that is what will give investors, potentially the, the communities at large, more um, awareness and insight into how the company is managed. Because really ESG, another way to think about it is is risk management. So if you are engaging in ESG, you're measuring the data and the metrics that it requests. And if you can measure it, then you can manage it. And that is really why you tend to see companies engaged in ESG performing better from a, a true business perspective. Um, as you mentioned with A&M, the firm I'm at now, we are an international practice and we are in all sectors. And that has really become a great benefit because Focusing on oil and gas um, and knowing the industry is incredibly helpful when it comes to engaging with oil and gas companies. But when you look at trends across the space, there are other sectors who are very far advanced. Uh, tech is one, and certainly any sort of uh, company focused in Europe, uh, they tend to be on that lead cutting edge of ESG. And so now to have the opportunity to engage with those companies and watch those practices really helps us bring those back into the oil and gas space to keep us uh, kind of more advanced and leading as well. Ashley McNamee is our guest. She's a director of ESG services at Alvarez and Marcel, is it? Marcel? Yep. Now, uh, before we kind of conclude here, because I'm looking at the clock, I did want to ask you about that risk management side of things, because I believe you and I talked about this off the air uh, last week a little bit, and I have had this conversation with a few people that have gone through the uh, ESG certification and just, you know, lived the real experience part. And part of the uh, irons, it's part of the wrinkles that they're kind of ironing out right now, and where is is that risk management side to where the social part seems to be so important in some areas that it's almost like they'll put through a business plan that's going to lose money if it's socially acceptable. Now, I don't know if that's actually happening or not, but it certainly seems like there's so much uh, emphasis put on that social part of things. And that's always been a big issue when it comes to, you know, companies and corporations is, yeah, it would be great to give money to the nonprofit and the social cause and this and that. So talk to me a little bit about how the risk management plays into that whole social element of the ESG movement? Sure. Uh, so I would say, first and foremost, the oil and gas industry has done an exceptional job when it comes to that social sector. So oil and gas has always come to the table. It's always done the right thing. It's always contributed back to the communities where their employees live and operate. And you see true, meaningful social engagement. So not just 
you know, fly by night, cutting in, coming in, cutting checks and moving on. It's more how do they, the, the folks who do social work for oil and gas companies tend to live within the oil patch and they really know the needs of that um, area and provide things. Widening, just for an example, we um, in Watford City worked with the new McKenzie County Hospital there to bring back a maternity wing so that you could have babies back in the heart of the oil patch, which had been a service that had been gone for decades. So that's a, a true example of what social engagement in communities for oil and gas companies looks like. So I think we do social well. Um, but for in terms of risk, risk is... Um, obviously a very significant piece of any business and to your point and how it factors into business planning. And if you were to take a hot topic these days, like climate change, uh, most oil and gas companies don't want to, and don't need to get into a debate about if climate real, that's sort of something that um, is not necessarily <laughs> helpful to oil companies to engage in, but where you can apply climate change, a risk perspective is to look at the future and determine as, you know, rivers are rising, as snowfall is increasing, and you're going to see flooding in different areas, how prone are your operations to those potential changes? And that risk assessment is what would give investors more confidence in the future of the company's ability to continue to perform and deliver results is by overlaying those sorts of risks to their operations. So the risk management piece of it is, is very robust. It's one of the biggest pieces you can engage in. Um, and that's where ESG is really very uh, specific to each company. And so you see a lot of folks and any ESG work is better than none. So we're definitely um, proud of the industry for making the strides that it has. But determining what's material to a company is very specific to that company. And so to that example of climate change, how it could impact a, a company's operations that's going to change, obviously, for each one. And so that's sort of a big key to ESG is determining what is material to a company. And then you take those material topics, and that's what you build your ESG program and report from. And it's sort of a, a difficult process to do if you're not familiar with it. But uh, there are lots of folks out here who can help with that for sure. But that's, that is what will drive sort of your risk engagement and your ESG program Reporting is, you know, determining what is specific to your company and what you should focus on um, basic, based on all of that, basically. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... <laughs> Made sense to me. Made sense to me because, and I think the most important part is that um, if there's no need to engage into a discussion that's not going to bear any fruit, don't do it. There's, yeah. there, there's, other, there's other ways to get that fruit. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of what I'm hearing. That's totally right. So the first step we, we would do for a company is, you know, you can do a gap analysis and see what, what they're doing internally that isn't public that might garner them some, um, you know, better scores from agencies or just more disclosures overall. But then the next piece of it really is uh, benchmarking. And we do a lot of work with private equity funds and looking around, taking that example, what other private equity firms are doing with ESG, what is public, how far are they taking it? That sort of information is really what informs what we would advise a company to engage in also. So you don't ever want to get, you know, 14 steps ahead of your peers staying in line and doing what is appropriate is a, is a big piece of it. Um, the other thing I would bring up, though, is as we're looking at this, the, the potential for regulation when it comes to ESG is becoming very real. So 
Uh, the SEC is no longer saying it might regulate ESG disclosures. It's saying it will. They have formed a task force. They are looking through different frameworks that they would support in order to try to standardize disclosures because the issue that some investors might point out today is that um, it's sort of apples and oranges. You can't necessarily compare a company side by side with each comes to their ESG disclosures because they're not the same always. And so as you'll start to see regulation come into this space, the need to report ESG will obviously become very real. And the only thing I might you know throw in there is it's not something you can flip a switch and just do tomorrow. You really have to lay groundwork. You have to, again, going back to that measure and manage sort of idea. If, you, if we aren't already measuring and creating baselines for some metrics that you would be required to report, Doing that takes time. Start to regulate. But definitely want to have all that in a place where you could execute and report if you needed to. So, how can people get a better handle on what we're talking about? What you're talking about now? Your company, obviously, I imagine, does these audits and can get people on board. So, talk about uh, specifically uh, how you can assist energy companies bridge their business to the current century we're living in? Sure. Yeah, we, we can certainly help. Um, it is not a one-size-fits-all approach. So I kind of, um, in some of the presentations we make, throw out a menu concept where it's all of the things you could do to do ESG perfectly. But going back to that idea that each company is really different, their sophistication levels are different, their collection and data might look different, it's really getting in and working with a company to understand where they are in the process and then tailoring the response. It's only what they need. So it's not one of those things where you're going to go to a firm or hopefully our firm and we would throw everything at you. It's really looking at what you need and providing the you need in order to be able to get to a place where you can report and disclose meaningfully to get credit for all the work you're already doing. How can people get in touch with you or your company? My name's Ashley McNamee. <laughs> um, my email is Ashley, or no, excuse me, A McNamee at Alvarez and Marcel. And I, it's a little hard to spell, so maybe we can post that or something to help folks out. Oh, well, de- yeah. we definitely have the links on there. But, you know, we <laughs> what we believe in here, I'm a Montessori uh, supporter. My kid went to Montessori, so we tried to do the audio, the visual, and, you know, kid yeah. aesthetics. So, folks, write it down, then you'll never forget it because now you heard it, and then you'll sure. be able to see it. So if we can just get those folks to write it down, then we've completed the three forms of learning. And yes. um, yeah, that's what we try to do here. So, well, I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for the, for the time. And it's great to talk to you as always.